and welcome. You're listening to People Powered Radio 2XX FM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT and I'm Sophie Singh, bringing you stories from our city and beyond. It's true, numbers don't tell the full story, but they do go part of the way. And when it comes to Australia's refugee policies, the picture they paint is shocking. 231 people are still held in Australia's offshore detention locations. Up to 360 people who travelled by boat to Australia to seek asylum remain in locked detention, with 46 people locked up in the Park Hotel in Melbourne, which has been their de facto prison for up to two years. And there are still over a 1,000 people living in the Australian community on temporary visas denied the opportunity to resettle, having been medically evacuated from PNG and Nauru since 2013. In the face of this continuing precariousness of life in this country, a number of initiatives are underway to secure resettlement. Probably the foremost of those is the US-Australia resettlement deal, and over a 1,000 people have already either gone to the US or are in the process of securing resettlement. Less known is Operation Not Forgotten, which centres on accessing the Canadian Community Sponsorship Program. Operation Not Forgotten is tonight's focus for Subject ACT, and joining me are three local Canberra women, Sister Jane Keogh, Robin Fetter and Julie DeMicoli, who are working together in Operation Not Forgotten. Jane, Robin, Julie, welcome, and thanks for speaking with me on Subject ACT. Thanks. You're most welcome. Thanks, Sophie. Jane, can you outline briefly uh, how the Canadian Community Sponsorship Program works? How is it set up for the individuals or the families? And what support does the community in Canada provide? Canada has this wonderful program that is really community. It's initiated by the community, funded by the community, supported by the community. It's not a government program. There's a, a group called Mosaic. And they have authority. They're an authorised sponsorship holder, which means they can sponsor people. So we in Australia sponsor through Mosaic. The offer came from Canadians. They saw the plight. They saw how our government was treating the people and they reached out. Someone rang me and I introduced them to the Refugee Council of Australia. And eventually we have this program now. It's a partnership with the Refugee Council of Australia. Yep. Mosaic, which is a similar kind of organisation in Vancouver, and adds up that help with a lot of the community support as well when they get there. Are any people who have come to Australia to seek asylum or are in Australia's offshore detention locations eligible to apply under Operation Not Forgotten? Who is eligible? Anyone who doesn't have any other durable solution which means that if they had the opportunity to apply to America, if they didn't apply to the US or they were accepted and didn't, didn't take it up, they're not eligible for Canada. They're only eligible if they've exhausted all their other options. We in Canberra, led by Robin, have volunteers who help people prepare applications to meet the Canadian standards. We send them to Mosaic. Mosaic uses its lawyers and its legalese to um, refine and check whether the people we send would be eligible and would be accepted by the government. They have a good reputation and so they're trusted by the government. When they put in an application to the government, the government usually accepts it. Uh, alongside Mosaic, there's also an organisation called Ads Up. Can you explain what is Ads Up? 
Ads Up Canada started out getting groups of five together and applying through the community program that allows five people in Canada to sponsor people. But they then found that it only had about two years ago, it had a 29% success rate because they're, they're volunteers, their, their ability to do it and then to win the confidence of the government and to know what they're doing was not high. Whereas Mosaic as a sponsorship authority holder has something like 96%, 98%. So very soon in the piece, Ads Up Canada joined with Mosaic. What's the characteristic of a community that is necessary to be able to, to sponsor a person or a family? Well, because Mosaic is recognised, you don't have to have any specified people in the community going through Mosaic. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they have people who volunteered and they train them, usually trained a bit by Ads Up, and this five people accept them and help them when they're there. But others, and the majority of them, are really helped and settled by Mosaic volunteers and staff. So they become people who help them, who train them, who help them to be independent. But Mosaic has to guarantee that these people will be helped and supported at least for the first year and that none of them fall off the rails or lacking in support, all of those things. So the legal papers are signed by Mosaic. So it's a huge responsibility. What role does the Canadian government play in that process? You want to answer that, Robin? Well, they, they are the, the ones who have the ultimate um, yay or nay. Our group of volunteers puts all the information together in the, the appropriate forms and then Mosaic checks it because they know what to look for, for mistakes and discrepancies and things like that. And they know what the government is likely to accept they won't accept. So we, we submit to Mosaic and then they submit to the Canadian government. Right. And Julie, are you working with Robin on uh, the applications as well? Yes, yes. I have filled several applications for several men. And how have you found being involved in that process? It's hard work and it's heartbreaking work as well. When you read their stories, it's really so sad. But at least I feel like we're doing something positive. So that's a very good thing. Absolutely. And what is that process, Robin, that you're leading? What's required in terms of the information that you're having together? And you're working presumably uh, directly with individuals in yes. the Australian Committee or either in PNG or Nauru. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, we need a lot of information. Um, the most important thing, we try to get their documents from their original interviews when they first arrived because it was all fresh in their minds then. We're eight years hence now and trying to get them to remember what happened after eight years of PTSD and dreadful things happening to them. It's, it's very chancy. You know, I've found that one of the um, big uh, effects of PTSD is memory loss. They all complain about that. They used to be bright, intelligent people and now their memories are just chopped to pieces, uh, which makes it difficult. So that means it's much more advantageous if we can get their original interviews. But if we can't, we can do it um, from scratch. Most of it is things like how tall are you, how what your children's eye colours are, that sort of thing, um, date of birth of your mother's parents. And it's more or less the same as it is on the Australian Visa right. application form, but it's a bit easier to follow. But the, the important thing is their story. We can only help refugees. We can't help asylum seekers. So 
their story is very important. Robin and Julie, are you having to, as part of the application process, if it's a family resettlement, uh, working with the individual, having to fill out the application so the details include all the family members as well? Yes. Which must make it, as you said, quite a lengthy and involved process. Yes, when I was recruiting new volunteers, I used to say to them, it'll take about 35 hours of focused effort to do one application, but that's for one person. If you have an application where the applicant has very poor English or mental problems or a big family, it's going to take longer. So it it isn't something that you undertake lightly. It's quite um, onerous and all of us suffer to a certain extent from vicarious traumatisation. But, it, you know, as Julie said, it's well worthwhile. Very, very satisfying. And all Robin's volunteers that she's gathered from Canberra are mostly experienced people. There are people who work for UNHCR or diplomats or um, high levels in the public service who have expertise in this area. They're not activists. I don't fill out any because I'm in contact with all of these people and I'm their friends. It's better not to have the friends apply. Yes. It's a different role understand that it's a traumatic or can be a potentially traumatic process working with someone uh, it must be heartbreaking for the individual particularly given the months and months of delay that uh, COVID has caused so hopes get lifted and then they get dashed again uh, absolutely it's it's a roller coaster it's just horrible for them particularly but for us as well you know you get to screaming point and I've only been doing it for two years how How they cope after nearly nine years is unbelievable. Their strength and resilience is a a lesson to us all, really. And I think we have to acknowledge what a wonderful service this has been from the people of Canberra. You know, Robin and her band of about 20 volunteers, I don't think it could have been achieved in many other places. Each person is vetted. They all have to sign um, confidentiality arrangements with Mosaic. There's a certain protocol they have to follow. It's not a, a simple just fill out these forms. Robin, you mentioned uh, that in a lot of the applications, it's very useful to be able to source the original uh, paperwork that was submitted by the individual seeking asylum. Does that involve getting that information from a government department? Well, with any luck, no, um, because actually I, I haven't had one instance where we've applied to Home Affairs and actually had any cooperation. The refugees are supposed to have this stuff themselves. But in the case of the ones who were on Manus Island, when they were forcibly uh, ejected from the, um, you know, the cage that they were living in, um, a lot of them lost all their paperwork. It was all destroyed by the police that broke in and they just haven't got it anymore. And the uh, original law firm that was tasked with looking after the um, asylum seekers and refugees in Papua New Guinea just refuses point blank to uh, cooperate. I think they think their job is done and dusted and they shouldn't be bothered with this anymore. So it can be very hard. In some cases, um, the UNHCR has interviewed them through an interpreter and got all the, the facts that they can gather. And that's been very helpful because the ones that they've interviewed are, in a lot of cases, are the ones that are badly damaged with uh, mental problems. But getting getting the paperwork is one of one of my jobs. I don't usually do any filling out of the forms, but I, I have to get the paperwork to pass on to the volunteers. And, um, and you know, if they have any questions or problems, um, I'm there to help with that. And I train them, you know, how to fill in the forms to the best of our ability. 
So uh, it's important to put in a quality um, product to Mosaic from my point of view. I don't want anything that we've done to create extra delays or problems. Um, in some cases, Mosaic has been able to overturn a negative refugee status decision because they had the original interview and they thought that uh, the people on Nauru or PNG were mistaken and this person is worthy of refugee status. They would accept an application from someone in that situation. There have been a few that weren't recognised. UNHCR, they're often asked by Mosaic to have another look and sometimes Mm -hmm. mistakes were made. Mosaic can't really decide whether they're refugees or not. They're only looking at Will Canada's government accept them? Sadly, Mosaic has to say no to some, not because they don't believe them. Anyone who's suffered for nine years on Nauru or Manus is a refugee. They would have gone home if they could have. We know that. But they're unable to prove their story. And if we're unable to prove it and the Canadian government will say no, Mosaic can't sponsor them. It's very sad. We, We have many tears from Mosaic and ourselves, as some of them, sadly, have to not be accepted for sponsorship. And how many people so far have been resettled in Canada through Operation Not Forgotten? None. COVID has intervened. And it's so frustrating for the guys and so heartbreaking for us and for the people in Mosaic that work on them. It's just debilitating all the time. But 10, 10 are leaving very soon. That's great. We're expecting any day. They've had their medicals, they've had their vaccinations, they've had their interviews, they've been accepted, and they will be leaving very soon. And we think that that will be a bit of an incentive for the others to gain a bit of hope. So now they're just waiting for a departure date. Yes. yes. That's great. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Canberra's People Powered Radio, 2XXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT and I'm Sophie Singh. It's great to have your company. Tonight we're taking a look at Operation Not Forgotten, an initiative to resettle refugees who are subject to Australia's offshore detention regime in Canada through their community sponsorship program. Sister Jane Keogh, Robin Fetter and Julie DeMicoli are part of the team here in Canberra working to secure a pathway of freedom for people who have been refused resettlement here in Australia, some of whom are still in detention or trapped on Nauru or PNG now for nine years. Jane, how many places overall do you hope or anticipate will be available to be resettled in Canada under Operation Not Forgotten? Well, 150 so far um, have been submitted by Mosaic to the Canadian government. And we would expect that a high percentage of those, um, maybe 90%, would be accepted because Mosaic vets them carefully. But Canada has um, the records of their earlier rejection by America, for example. So if there's been doubts raised, sometimes they don't get through. A small number don't. Could I say at this stage that we have at least 10 people who two years ago we started to apply for, and in that two years, their mental health has deteriorated to such an extent that they're no longer eligible to be resettled because they couldn't go through an interview. They would need so much psychiatric help and nursing that that is beyond the Canadian community to supply. And Jane, where are those 10 people? Um, in Papua New Guinea or in Nauru or in Australian detention. 
It's a terrible situation. And there's, there's many more than that who are in that situation. We only are talking about the ones who have applied to Canada. Yes. We have altogether about 200 who've applied to go through Canada. But there are 150 that we already have funding for, and you have to put the funding in before you submit it to the Canadian government. So that money has been given. But now there are another 40 who are on the list waiting and they can't be submitted to the government because we don't have the funds yet. What are the costs associated with the program? I understand that there recently have been some increases recognising an increased cost of living. Can you tell me a bit about what it costs for an individual or a family to be resettled under Operation Not Forgotten? It changes in every province because it's what every province sets as the basic minimum that a person needs to live there. Ours mostly go to Vancouver, some to Toronto, and the cost of living is very high. So at the moment, it's probably about 25000 almost, just with the recent extension for one person, or probably 35000 for a family of four, um, two parents and two children, uh, children or anyone under 21 that's dependent. So we're looking at somewhere around that to fund anyone. We've already raised three and a half million because that's how much it costs. Because when I say um, 150 have already been funded, that's 150 men from Manus or Nauru. I think a couple of women might be within it, but mostly men. But if they have dependents, they have to be included. So their families back home in Somalia or Afghanistan, they're also given a place. So we've funded with three and a half million, 150 plus their families. And has the government here, the Australian government, said anything uh, in relation to its attitude towards refugees that it has treated so badly, essentially fleeing that treatment with resettlement in Canada? What's the Australian government's attitude towards Operation Not Forgotten? I think they've been, don't you think, Jane, they've just very quietly um, slid it under the rug and they never mention it. They're allowing it to go ahead, but, but I haven't heard anything. Has anybody else? Unlike arrangements with other countries such as New Zealand or Nauru to New Zealand or PNG to anywhere, those things are brokered through governments. And that's tricky because it's got to go through the government, whereas because the Canadian one, it's private. So there's no brokerage with the government. It, it's not really to do with the Australian government. I think RCOA, because they're the umbrella that we work through in Australia and they have a reputation and et cetera, um, the government does not seem to have interfered or found out even a lot that's happening or been involved at all. Um, and that's why the worries at the moment on PNG about whether people stay in PNG or go to Nauru is not so material for us because we don't have to broker their applications to go overseas through any government. Australia is a wealthy country and yet people who sought protection in Australia are actually now trying to find refuge from the treatment in Australia you know, by resettling to Canada. I mean, when you think about the light that that puts Australia in, that's a pretty damning indictment. It's very damning and, and there are many people in Canada and even within the politics of Canada who really want to say this is Australians' job. We've got people from all over the world applying to come here. Why should we be? And that's how lucky we were with Mosaic coming to the party. They could have said no. They have people on their doorstep from all over the world and they took pity on us 
and they came to the party and they've been helping us. See, Canadians have got to know refugees because of their community program. So they don't have the distrust. They've met them. They've seen their goodness. They've seen how they contribute to the community. And where they don't have a government waging war against them and calling them illegal. So Canadians have a much more open attitude because they can see the benefits that refugees bring to their country and they work in so well together. Julie, I know you're organising an online auction to raise money for Operation Not Forgotten. Can you outline what the auction entails and uh, what you're calling on or asking people to do? Yes, well, the online auction is is organised to raise money for um, to get these people across to Canada. And what we're asking people to do is to donate anything uh, that they have of a certain amount of substance, anything they have, a piece of art or anything like that, furniture, textiles, and we'll put it on auction and people can bid on it and whatever we make at the end of the auction will go to Rakoa and then to Mosaic to support um, somebody going across to Canada. Uh, it's open now for people to, to put forward and donate items? It is. It is open now. Um, uh, it's been sent out by uh, individuals to their friends and support groups. So, yeah, anybody can contact me or, you know, Robin and um, let us know if they have something that they're willing to part with. And, Julie, do you know when the bids will open, when it will be possible for people to start making bids on the items? Once the donation period closes, then we get all the items together and take them to all bids and um, then all bids will photograph them and, and put them online and then the auction will be open for anybody to uh, bid on if they have the, the link. And have you had many items donated so far? Yes, we've had a few items, some um, pieces of art already promised. We even managed to um, raise uh, $1,000 so far on two beautiful cedar sea chests that somebody donated but had advertised and um, a buyer rang after she said we could have them and, um, yeah, he gave $1,000 for them. So there you go. So hopefully that bodes very well for the success of the auction overall. Andrew people have already individually in the early piece of this sponsored, probably paid for about five or six people to go. We're very happy about that. And I'm hoping that through this auction we can get two more. If we can get two more people who would not otherwise have a chance of freedom, 10 years locked up. So I'm, I haven't got any more money to give. But what I have done is I've thought I would be happier to see two smiling faces among these refugees than to see some of the artwork on my wall. So I have two pieces of art that I'm giving for, for the donation and hopefully we can get one or two people sponsored through this auction who would not have the chance of freedom otherwise. So aim high. Aim high. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, every little bit, doesn't matter how much, but every little bit is, is someone closer. But I think anybody that raises about 20000 somehow the general fund will come in on the rest. So right. we're, not, we're not wanting it to say you have to raise exactly 25000 or thirty-five to get a family there. There'll be other people and maybe some corporate sponsors we are hoping will join us. 
of course. And people can share the RCOA website about Operation Not Forgotten and just click a button and donate $10, $20. Every little bit adds up. Well, I've been talking to Sister Jane Keogh, Robin Fetter, and Julie Demicoli about Operation Not Forgotten and about the online auction that is open now for items to be donated. Thank you so much, Robin and Julie and Jane, for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thanks, Sophie. Operation Not Forgotten is providing a potential lifeline for people who came to Australia hoping to find safety and somewhere to call home. Hopefully Canada will be able to provide what Australia has refused to do. The end date to donate items for the online auction is Friday the 19th of November. If you'd like to donate something or find out more, you can get in touch with Julie or Robin through the Canberra Refugee Action Campaign. Their email address is mail at refugeeaction.org. And that brings us to the end of tonight's Subject ACT. Stay listening to People Powered Radio 2XXFM 98.3. Thanks for listening. I'm Sophie Singh and have a great rest of your week.